Welcome to Thrive Church. We are so happy to have you here with us today, whether you're with us in person or online. One of our campuses, Terryville, Torrington, New Britain, we are so happy to have you here as we uh, continue this series called Tomorrow. Tomorrow. And all throughout this series, we've been looking at prophecies from the Bible, specifically from First and Second Thessalonians. Now, these were books that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. You may recall, if you've been here over the last couple of weeks, he was only there for three weeks, only there preaching the gospel for a short period of time, set up a church there, and then he was gone. And then he writes these letters to encourage the church because of the persecution that they're going through. They're going through, you know, all kinds of persecution and suffering and stress and imprisonment, and they're going there, and, and Paul is trying to encourage them. And so throughout this series, we, we're, we're talking about, about the end, the end times. And, and a lot of times when we start talking about the end times, we start talking about things and we get ideas of like, like the book of Revelations, right? Where, there, where there's dragons and there's, you know, raptures and there's tribulation and there's 666 tattooed on people's foreheads and a one world government. And, and then we start asking like, like oh, well, are, do you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture or a post-tribulation rapture and, and a thousand year millennial reign and all these crazy things and like we need more details. We want to understand this. And if that's what you came here looking for today, you're going to be disappointed okay? Because we're not going into all that. We're going back to Thessalonians. And, uh, but we are going to talk about, you know, something very important, I believe. You know, we've been talking about the second coming of Christ, a little bit about the end times, a little bit about judgment and persecution, the early church and what it was like. But today what we're going to be talking about is, get ready for it, the Antichrist. Ooh, you know, Antichrist. You know, if you've grown up in church, man, this is like the epitome of evil. We had novels written about this to scare us when we were kids. There was movies that came out and movies upon movies that came out. Hey, even Nicolas Cage got in on one of the movies, okay? I mean, this was stuff that was, was out there, the Antichrist. And, and then, and then Christians, as we tend to do sometimes, they go on this like witch hunt trying to, to figure out, well, who is this Antichrist? Now, if you didn't grow up in church, maybe you didn't go through this, but maybe you're still familiar with this term, but, but our idea of the Antichrist is this is like, like the, the baddest of bad, and so anytime there's like a new political leader, we're like, maybe that's the Antichrist, or, 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 or politicians, or actors, or, or maybe your boss that's just a real jerk, you're like, I think they're the Antichrist, and maybe so, I don't know. But here is what Paul talks about to the church in Thessalonica. This is actually in his second letter. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. So again, Paul is trying to encourage them. They're living in fear each and every day. They're going through suffering. They're going through hardship and pain. And they're looking with great expectation to the return of Jesus Christ. They want Jesus to come and deliver them to bail them out of the hardships that they're in right then. He says, so I'm going to clarify some things. He says, don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say the day of the Lord has already begun. Now, there's people even now that will say stuff like this, like the day of the Lord has already begun. And, and, and if you can imagine 2,000 years ago they were saying this, and here we are 2,000 years later still saying the same thing. He says, don't be easily shaken or alarmed 
by those who say the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them even, even if they claim to have a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Just don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. Now this man of lawlessness is, is the one who, who we've kind of coined the term the Antichrist. The Antichrist is person who's coming, this lawless person, the person who has no regard for the laws of God. He says, but, but, but it, you know, here's some clues that we're not there just yet. Although people have speculated through the ages and said, you know, we're near the end, we're near the end, the end is near. I mean, you see the, the, the guy standing out on the, the, the corner of the street and he's got the, the sign, like, the end is near. It's like, how long have you been standing out there, man? Like 18 years, you know, still standing out here. The end is near. And yeah, the one thing I will say is it's closer than it was yesterday, but we don't know how close it is. But here's some clues. Paul is giving us some clues. So the clues is, you know, is talking about this man of lawlessness. He says there's going to be a great rebellion that happens, a great rebellion. And I've heard this over the years. People say that they've got a vision or they've got a revelation or, or what often happens is, well, I figured out all the numbers in the Bible. And if you take all the numbers in the Bible and you chart them all out, you can figure out when Jesus is coming back. And you can figure out all these things. And you're like, wow, like, I don't think you've got it, but... I admire your effort, okay? But people, they, they talk about the, the, the Antichrist. So then we start speaking, well, who's the Antichrist? Well, back, back then, in the Bible times, many people, they saw Nero, and they're like, Nero is the Antichrist. And man, he was Antichrist. He was putting people to death left and right. He was taking Christians and strapping them to, to, uh, to poles and lighting them on fire to light his dinner parties. This was one bad guy. People saw Hitler and like, oh, maybe Hitler is the Antichrist, or, or Osama bin Laden, they're like, maybe he is the Antichrist. People now, we speculate all kinds of things. Maybe Elon Musk is the Antichrist, or, or any president that's ever existed, or, or maybe it's Bill Gates, or, or Jeff Bezos, or there's even a following of people that say David Hasselhoff from Baywatch is the Antichrist. Because if you take the letters of his name and assign a number to each letter, and you add them up, and a little magical formula comes out to be 666, you know? It's like, come on, you know. He does wear red shorts, though, so maybe they have something. I don't know. I've heard all this over the years, though. And, and Paul is saying, Paul's saying like, like, like there's going to be some sensationalism. There's going to be some people that think it's already happening, and it's not. So basically what Paul is saying is, hey, everybody, chill out just a little bit. Just chill out just a little bit. Don't get all worked up about this. You know, there's something more important than, than just focusing on the end. Maybe, maybe that's not the most important thing to focus on. What's going to happen next? In your notes, keep your eyes on Jesus and don't be afraid of what's next. That's what he's saying. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't be afraid of tomorrow, what tomorrow's going to bring, the problems that tomorrow has. Why don't you just keep your eyes on Jesus instead of focusing on trying to figure out who this Antichrist is. Keep your eyes on the Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. But there will be this man of lawlessness, the Bible says. This Antichrist. Goes on in verse 4. says, uh, he will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God in every act, every object of worship. He'll exalt himself. He'll lift himself up and defy everything. He'll defy God and everything that people use to worship God. says he will even sit in the temple of God 
claiming that he himself is God. This is one bad dude. This guy is basically coming to declare war on God. Launching attack on God. He's declaring war on God, and not only declaring war on God, he's declaring war on anyone who serves him. And for us, we start to get afraid. But as we're looking for this Antichrist, we can often forget that there's another Antichrist. The Bible talks about two Antichrists. Did you know that? Well, two different kinds of Antichrist. There's the Antichrist, the person, the leader, this person who is going to launch war on God and sit on this throne, and then... There's Antichrist, the things, the ideas, and the people who are Antichrist in our world. People who are anti-opposite, opposing Christ. See, the verse not only warns us of, of this rise of this Antichrist, this, this, this political leader, but it also shows us how, how this world is becoming increasingly Antichrist and anti-God. We see this now more than ever, how our world has strayed from, from the ideas of of loving and serving God. See, in your notes, anything that declares war on God is antichrist. Anything that does. So the Thessalonians, this church in Thessalonica, they were looking for the rise of a, of a guy. They were looking for a rise of this leader who would be the antichrist. But we live in a society, we live in a time where, that, where our culture is becoming antichrist where our culture is becoming anti-Jesus. Our culture is becoming anti-God. And our world is drifting away further and further from the truth of God's word. It's drifting further and further away by the clutches of materialism and immorality and godlessness. And people are willingly rejecting the authority of Jesus Christ. And so if we're not careful, we might be looking for this person in Antichrist and ignore the very fact that we're living in a culture that is increasingly becoming Antichrist. Continuing in verse 7 here. It says, For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who's holding it back steps out of the way. See, this lawlessness... This antichrist, this, this nature of, of, of turning your back on God. See, see, God is delaying this. God is holding back everything. You know, the, the, the end, we've talked about this. Why, why doesn't Jesus just come on back? And the reason why is so that more people can come to faith in Jesus Christ. So that more people can put their trust and their hope in Jesus Christ. But one day, some of these things will begin to unfold. And we don't understand exactly how, but we do know this. This lawlessness, this antichrist spirit is already in work at work in our world around us. We hear people talking about the fact that there is no right or wrong, right? If, if, if you think it's right, then it's right. And if you think it's wrong, well, then who are you to tell me that what I think is right is wrong and what I think is wrong is right, and I think that your right is wrong and you're right. And it's like we get so confused because, because we're just spinning this narrative of, well, there is no such, such thing as, as truth. And we continue to see evidence of these things, and they're, they're attacking, and they're trying to take away from from the authority of Jesus. It doesn't take very much looking around to see that faith is under attack. And for those who are following Christ, it can be a fearful thing. People come and say, well, you know, you're just so weak-minded. You're just so weak-minded to put your faith in, in, in fairy tales. 
How could you believe that? The Bible isn't true. There's so many contradictions in the Bible. People will say things like that. People that obviously have not actually spent any time investigating the truth that's contained in the scriptures, but they'll say these things to, to belittle, discourage, and put down the faith that you have. And if we're not careful, if our faith is not strong enough, we can begin to be led astray as well. We can be drug away into this idea of antichrist, the spirit of antichrist. See, some people get so busy looking for the antichrist that we miss antichrist that's all around us. We miss the things that are in this world. See, this world is increasingly antichrist. We just look around us. We look around, just turn on the news. Turn on the news. And I saw several clips this past week of, of people being interviewed on the news and for sporting events and for different things like that. And, and as they're being interviewed, they begin to talk about the name of Jesus Christ and the video feed cuts out. It just cuts out. Like, oh, oh sorry, we lost connection with him. Because people, they, they don't want to hear these things. They're like, oh, we don't want to hear that. You can talk about anything else, but don't talk about this. You can talk about anything under the sun. We see that, that this Antichrist is, is becoming more, more uh, popular in politics and in media and in the movies and in music. And you can talk about anything else. You can talk about, about karma. You can talk about vibes, right? Like sending good vibes. I'm still curious how you send them, you know? It's like sending good vibes. Like, do you throw them? Do you launch them? Like, I don't know. How do you send them? You know, it's like you can talk about that stuff. You can talk about energy, the energy that's around us. But just don't mention the name Jesus. Right? Don't mention the name Jesus, right? See, we may not know who the Antichrist is, when it, how, it return, how it relates to the end times, but we do know that we're surrounded by a world that is increasingly Antichrist. It's okay to talk about God a little bit, but don't bring Jesus into this. Don't bring Jesus into this. See, God is kind of God is kind of vague, right? When we talk about God, God is kind of vague. Like, oh, God loves us. And, but Jesus, when you say Jesus, Jesus is specific now, right? Say, oh, well, you know, God just loves everyone. God is just so loving. He just loves and accepts everyone. We're there. But Jesus, well, Jesus is mean, right? Because Jesus wants me to change, and, and I don't want to change. I, I don't want to do that stuff. I, I just want to be me. I just, I just want to love because I'm, I'm proud of who I am, and nobody can, can tell me what to do with my life. And it's not about Jesus. It's all about me, and that's what the world tries to cram down my throat. It's all about me, and I'm just me, and, and it's all about, about pride. And you know the thing about pride? It's that God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Like, oh, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just proud to be who I am. Well, like, are you really now? See, because God wants to transform us. He wants to do a work in our life that only he can do. But the devil, and you know, the devil wants us to be more focused on ourselves than we're focused on Jesus. See, that's Antichrist. I'm going to be more focused on myself. See, it's It's subtle. It's subtle. It, 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 it's devious. It's not like this whole thing, you know, some dude comes out with like horns and saying, bow down and worship me. And we're like, no, I'm not going to do tattoo 666 on your forehead. No, I will never do that. But it's like, well, but you are better than everybody else. And oh, you do deserve this. And oh, you should do this. And you should go there. And you should do all of these things. Then it becomes about me and myself and I. And my focus comes off of Jesus and it becomes on myself. And now it's like I'm just, I'm just full of pride, full of arrogance. It's all about me. I'm just so focused on me, myself, and I. That's, that's the spirit, the spirit of Antichrist, where we're just leaving Christ. We're leaving Jesus out of the picture. We're leaving Jesus out of our lives.
So what are we focused on? What are we focused on? See, the world wants our eyes to be off of Jesus. Be on anything else, but don't be on Jesus. You can focus on money all you want. You can focus on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You can focus on your job. You can focus on you know, advancing, climbing up the corporate ladder. You can focus on your career. And everybody applauds this. You can focus on literally anything else. But you start saying, I'm just going to give my life to Jesus. And things get weird really quick. Because we live in a world that's increasingly antichrist. See, we're, sometimes we're just thinking, oh, this is all antichrist. It's all about the end times. No, it's about now. It's about the world that we live in now. And can't we see it? Are our eyes open enough to see how antichrist the world is that we live in? It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 22. Who is the liar but, the, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. And whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So what is Antichrist? What is this whole spirit? Yeah, there's a person that's, that's predicted in the Bible. We don't know exactly the, the timelines of when any of that will happen. But here's something very subtle that each and every one of us could fall into. It's this, the who, he who denies the Father and the Son. But it says, whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Anything that denies Jesus Christ is antichrist. Is it, is it your job? Perhaps our job is, is causing you to, to compromise in these areas. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a book or a TV show or, or, or movie or, or things. There's things in our life that are, that are continually drawing us away, drawing us further away from Jesus, slowly pulling us away. And it's so subtle and it's so slow. And it's, it's this pressure to turn away. It's this pressure to, to reject Jesus. It's this pressure to, to, to like Peter, to deny that we even knew him. See, Peter, he denied three times that he even knew him. That, see, that's antichrist. He was antichrist in that moment. He's like, I don't even know you. I don't even know you. And yet, are we denying Christ in our own lives? Well, you know what? I'm, just, I'm not denying, but I just, I just don't want people to know. <laughs> you know? It's like, I just, I just don't want anybody. I just, I'm just not going to open up my mouth. I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Why would they feel uncomfortable, do you think? Because, again, our world is increasingly antichrist. Now, Honestly, all this talk can kind of get us a little discouraged, get us a little fearful at times. You can be dreading what's next. Start talking about end times and revelations and Thessalonians and Ezekiel and Daniel and all these prophecies, and, and we can start to feel very overwhelmed and fearful, dreading what's next. But, but here's the thing of all of this. The game is rigged. Like The game is rigged. You know why? We already know the outcome. See, this is the great thing. Like, we already know the outcome. We already know who wins. In your notes, Jesus is going to win. Jesus is going to win. Jesus is coming back. We see this all throughout Thessalonians. This is how we began this study of 1 and 2 Thessalonians, just talking about the fact that Jesus is coming back again, and God will reign supreme. God will reign over all things. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you're serving him, guess what? You're on the winning team. And man, that's good news. It's good news to know that we're on the winning team. We don't need to live in fear anymore. We don't need to have the anxieties and worries about the future because I know who holds my future. We're on the winning team. And continuing on here in 2 Thessalonians 2, uh, verse 8. It says, the man of lawlessness will be revealed. And look at this. But the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth. That must be some bad breath or something. I don't know. <laughs> I shouldn't say that probably. 
Sorry. Um, it says it here, though. He'll kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the splendor of his coming. You know what I take from that? It's not that God has bad breath. You know, I, I, what I take from that, really, is that this is easy for him. Like, this, it's not even a competition, right, at this point. Like, like, like it's so stacked against this, this Antichrist that sets himself up. And it's like just a breath from his mouth, and it kills him. It destroys him with the splendor of his coming. He just walks in, and everybody's like, whoa, he's here. He's here. It says, go on, uh, verse 9 says, this man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. Guess what? It's not even real power that he has. It's just trickery. He says counterfeit power, counterfeit signs and miracles. He'll use every kind of what? Evil deception. He's using deception to deceive your eyes, to deceive your ears. Use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. See, Jesus is coming. And he's going to destroy this whole thing. Like, like he doesn't even stand a chance. Every kind of evil deception that will be used because the goal is confusion, to get us confused, to get us distracted, and get us to question what is right and what is wrong, get us to question what is up and what is down, get us to question all of these things. I mean, and we see this in the world today. I mean, there's articles that are, that are being written, just these kind of esoteric mathematical articles of why Perhaps two plus two is no longer four. And we're like, wait a minute, but I always thought it was. It's like, we're, make, we're questioning everything. And why does this matter? Because the more we question things that we know right and wrong, then it causes us to begin to question our faith as well. Well, is there a God? Does he love me? But ultimately, at the end of the day, we know this. This is not a fair fight. That Jesus will win in the end. But here's the thing. So why, why is it this way? Why is our world becoming increasingly Antichrist. Why is the name Jesus Christ so offensive? You know, God is often accepted as good and fine, but when Jesus is mentioned, then people get uncomfortable. Why is that? Last thing you know, it's because there's power in that name. There's power. You see the name Jesus Christ, and everybody stops and listens. There's power. You can't deny it. It's undeniable, the, the, the power, because it says here, last verse, Acts 4, verse 12. There is salvation and no one else. Underline that. There is salvation and no one else. See, that's the problem. People are like, well, all roads lead to God. If you just believe it sincerely enough, then you'll get to God. Well, you know what? I can believe sincerely enough that if I jump off, you know, a 100-story building, I'm going to fly. But my belief in that is not enough to save me. But see, belief in Jesus Christ, one who said what he's going to do and then delivers on that promise, that's another thing altogether. He says there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we may be saved. No other name can save you. This is why. This is why our world is becoming increasingly anti-Christ. Because there's no other name. Because there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. Ever think about why Jesus Christ is a swear word? People out there, and they say, oh, Jesus Christ. And they use it as a swear word. Like, oh, you swore, watch your mouth. Why? Because there's power in the name, right? There's power. And nobody's out there swearing, oh, Buddha, right? 
Nobody's saying, oh, Joseph Smith, or oh, Muhammad, oh, Zeus. They're not swearing the president. Well, they might be swearing about the president, perhaps, but they're not using you know, our president's name as a swear. They're not using a king's name as a swear. They're not using an emperor's name as a swear. Oh, Nero. No, they're using the name Jesus Christ because there's power in the name. There's power in the name. I was... I was a kid, well, obviously, um, I was a kid, yeah, stating the obvious. When, when I was a kid one time, I went ice skating, um, and we were out on a, on a lake, and ice skating, it was nighttime, there was lights everywhere, it was just beautiful, and I don't know how old I was, I was like five or six years old, and I was just learning how to skate, and I got like way away from my parents, they were skating, it was not a huge lake, but there was a bunch of people out there, and I skated over and there's a group of guys, and I don't, I don't exactly remember, but I remember feeling super intimidated and super scared because they're like, hey, little kid, what you doing over here? Or something like that. I don't know. They were probably, you know, doing drugs or something for all I knew. But they were scaring me, and they're kind of like surrounding me. And here I am, five years old, on my little ice skates, and I'm like, I'm like, get away from me in Jesus' name. And these guys, I'm not joking. They looked at me. They're like, what? They turned and they went away. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Probably like, this kid is a nut job. And I was. But, but here's the thing. There's power in the name, right? There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, I don't need to be afraid of what's to come either. Because there's power. And I know that God is going to win. That Jesus is going to win. And that we are on the winning team. That while the world is going anti-Christ, we're going towards Christ. We're going towards Jesus. We're going to follow Jesus. We're going to stand strong. I'm not going to get tired of doing what is good because at just the right time we'll, re we'll reap the harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I'm not going to deny. I'm going to stand strong. I'm not going to allow the anti-Christ spirits of this world to distract me, to pull me away, to get me to slowly turn around. But I'm going to put my eyes on Jesus just like Peter did when he walked in the water. I'm going to put my eyes on Jesus in the storm and in the wind and in the waves and whatever is going on, I will keep my eyes on him because I know that he is the one who's coming again. I know that he is the one who's winning. I know that he is the one who saved my soul, and I know that there is salvation in no one else. God has not given any other name by which we can be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we come to you, and we thank you for your goodness to us. And we thank you that even in this world that is becoming increasingly anti-Jesus, that we can still gather in your name, that we can still praise your name, that we can still grow closer to you. And we thank you for that. Father, we ask you to draw us closer to you. Help us to put our faith in you, trust in you, rely on you more. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus is your Lord, don't let another day go by. And we don't have tomorrow promised to us. None of us have tomorrow promised. We don't know what tomorrow may hold. Some of us here, we, we may not be here at the end of this year. And I'm not saying that to scare us. I'm saying that because Jesus wants to give you hope. Scripture says that anyone who believes that God raised Jesus from the dead and you speak with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, that you'll be saved. So if you believe that, won't you just speak that? 
just call on him. Say, Jesus, you are my Lord. I believe in you. God, let us not entertain the ideas and the thoughts and the influences of this world. The thoughts that are out there to deceive us and to distract us and to get us to turn our eyes away from you. That want us to focus on ourselves and to focus on our lives and focus on our interests instead of focusing on you. No, let us be strong. Let us be bold to declare the name of Jesus Christ. Come what may. Don't like me if you don't want to, but come what may, we will stand strong and declare the name of Jesus Christ. So Lord, give us your boldness. Give us boldness to be a representative, to be an ambassador in this world. Let our light shine brightly so people can see our good deeds and praise you in heaven. So Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we thank you that we know that you are going to win, that you are going to win. You are the winning team that you've promised that you will defeat this Antichrist, these enemies with just your breath. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for accepting us into your family, for promising us eternal life with Jesus Christ our Lord, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.